0: For many years, software companies have been breaking up their applications into individual services for the purposes of isolation and maintainability. In the early 2000s, we might have called this pattern service-oriented architecture. Today we call it microservices. Why did we change that terminology? Did the services get smaller? No, not exactly. Jonas Bonner suggests that the movement towards cloud and the increased prevalence of mobile changes how we look at these services, so much so that we needed to change the terminology necessary to even talk about our services. And once the conversation has shifted to microservices, what steps do we need to take to implement those microservices properly? The Reactive Manifesto is a collection of principles for how to build applications. When the Reactive Manifesto is applied to the idea of microservices, we get reactive microservices, which Jonas and I discuss in today's episode. It's a great episode about microservices, and I hope you enjoy it. Jonas Bonaire is the CTO of LightBend. So, uh... So the story has been told on many episodes of this show that companies are moving from monolithic architectures to microservices. and we're going to get to a discussion of how that's happening, how companies are doing that. But let's start with the question of why. What are the pressures that are pushing companies to adopt microservices?
1: Yeah, there are, there's probably as, as many de- definitions of microservices as there are people, or at least there are teams. <laughs> using it. So uh, but one that one, the definition that that and one sort of driving motivation is that I that, that I've used and that I see is as important is that it, it really supports you to scale the organization I mean, scale the development of, of, of an application or or a system in, in, in a way that it supports you, you to like split up the organization into multiple in- independent teams each team is fully autonomous and can sort of roll out features independent of, of, of other teams so you need to reduce coupl- coupling here and and uh, essentially so you can both de- develop deploy and also manage your the services that you as the team develop completely completely independent of of, of other teams so uh and and this it's um I think that's the reason why it's one big reason why microservices has has gotten so much traction lately, especially in larger organizations I mean the time to market is more important than ever systems are 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 getting more and more complex and and how do you cope with this complexity rolling out features quickly etc but i also think that there's another sort of view to microservices that that that, uh, a lot of people miss miss out on and that is that it's 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 actually a a subset i i view it as a subset of reactive systems and reactive systems are designed to 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 not just you know tackle the organization development challenges of today, but actually the architectural and the and the the system design challenges, building systems that are you know ready for the for for the promise of the cloud. I mean elasticity, I mean, being really resilient, and and, and making use of, of, of both cloud computing in terms of you know mu- mu- multiple machines as well as as all these multi-core hardware that we're getting from Intel and AMD.
0: Hmm, absolutely, uh,
1: every 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 day. So so I see. I mean, I, I see. There's two, di- two, two different perspectives. I mean, uh, and I think both of these
0: uh, views are e- are equally important. So you are talking about these uh, some different pressures, and I think um, this is this is an interesting thing to touch on because it's not like microservices are this complete, like we have some sort of breakthrough that has totally changed the paradigm from service-oriented architecture. It's more that there are all these different things that are going on, things like, hard, like hardware changes, uh, uh, increased competition because the cloud has lowered the barrier to entry, so everybody has to move faster or else they're just going to get left behind, and... Um, and then obviously there's the advantages of moving to a more service-based with, with narrow services, domain-driven design. And so a lot of these things uh, are pushing us towards what we now call microservices. But the idea of microservices is, you know, you could just think of it as the service-oriented architecture of the past – but in in terms of reactive microservices, this is the idea of applying the reactive manifesto to services. Can you talk about what the reactive manifesto is?
1: Yeah, the the reactive manifesto is essentially a set of of, of design principles. You can say that uh, <clears throat> that is not really new. I mean, it goes back to a lot of wisdom in this, from the seventies of eighties. I mean. It, in in particular, a lot of the work from Jim Gray and and, and Patel in building truly resilient systems, and 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 also you know Joe Armstrong and Robert Virding on on Erlang systems, etc. Uh, uh, building the, er, er, the Erlang platform, and I think I think these these guys they were ahead of their time. I mean, they 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 really defined what is what is the 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 way we need to think about software to today. But today, I'd say the last 10 to 15 years, so reality has sort of caught up with their somehow original and, and visionary thinking. So, so so reactive systems is, is I mean, according to the manifesto, and the reason we wrote the manifesto is essentially to try to capture all this wisdom and all the, all the great ideas that are needed more now than ever into a, a sort of a blueprint for how we need to think about system design. And 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 uh, and it's of course I mean it's just a one two pager right so you it's it's it just scratches the fur the the surface but what it mainly tries to do is to is to 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 give us and give the community a, a, a common vocabulary how to talk about these things because because. So, their needs for these type of systems, the need to tackle, you know, resilience and elasticity, and also, I mean, concurrency, maximizing utilization of all the hardware we're getting, has been the same across a lot of different communities, but But have been talked about in different ways and have been approached slightly differently. So, Mm -hmm. so, uh, so we sort of wanted to create a sort of common framework for it. Mm -hmm. And, and essentially the essence of what it's, what it's of these principles is they have applications. They need to be responsive. They need to be responsive both in in the in the face of failure, meaning that not 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 just when things go well, but when things also start going south, and 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 uh, they, then they still need to be able to respond in a timely fashion. It, it might not always be the response, the ideal response, right? Sometimes we it might we it might need to be. To be, uh, 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 you know, using some using graceful degradation, not being able to to, to, to fulfill the same quality of service, etc. But still, it can't just stop. I mean, I mean, our cust you, you, so customers and users today—they really expect a system to always be responsive, and yes. that that's also true when I mean uh, when when the system is under heavy load, right? So the so it needs to be responsive, also. When 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 uh, when you get slashed on it, you know, or whatever you want to call it, when like Black Friday happens, etc. And 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 the easiest way is, of course, just to allocate as much harder as as the peak load time. But that's extremely resource inefficient and very expensive. And that's mm-hmm. why we need systems to be elastic, also being able to scale down ah. as 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 the system uh, doesn't need these resources any longer. And 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 so so. So it's both of sort us of being able to be responsive of course when things go well but also when things go go bad as well as 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 as, as when things uh, when when you get overloaded etc mm. and 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 we really believe that the best way of doing that is is to build it on a message message oriented core mm. message driven core for various reasons i mean but but um, that's the gist of it essentially
0: right well so this is interesting because the, if you look at the Reactive Manifesto and you're naive like me, you see, okay, there's these qualities, responsive, resilient, elastic, message-driven, but the way that you're explaining it is that these things kind of—one follows from the other. So, first of all, you want to be responsive, but in order to be responsive, even on Black Friday— uh, or from a graceful degradation standpoint you can't just allocate massive amounts of hardware because that's fairly inefficient so the idea of resilient or sorry so the idea of elasticity falls out or sorry the idea of resiliency falls out of that and then from that falls uh, ideas of elasticity and from that falls out ideas of being message driven so these four qualities responsive resilient elastic and message driven are the things that ultimately inform that responsiveness and that efficiency that you want to get out of your architecture. Um, would you say that's that's accurate?
1: Yeah, I'd say that. I mean, but in, in, a, in a way, it's, I mean, the, the qualities that you want is is an elastic and resilient system and the means to get there is through a message passing uh, architecture. Essentially, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and and there's a reason why uh, why we emphasize message passing and message driven so much, and and the reason is essentially that being message driven means that that you you're you're sending or you you you're communicating in a fully asynchronous fashion first, and also that you add a network boundary between the the components, and that is essential in order to achieve full isolation, uh, meaning that components can. I mean, are, 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 are sort of completely self, self-contained in the, in a, in a way that they, they can fail in isolation, be restarted in isolation, be upgraded in isolation, but also that they can move around in isolation. So the system can, can talk, can, can start taking advantage of locality of reference, for example, and optimizing the, the, the location of, of, of components as the system is being used. And that's essential also in order to change the topology of the application as it's being used. You don't want the topology to be fixed into the system. Uh, I mean, because in order to take full advantage of, of el- elasticity, uh, you want that to be able to be changed you know, in a dynamic fashion and the second reason i'd say is also that that message driven uh, uh, or a message driven architecture is is the foundation for what we call location transparency and this this means that when whenever you call your you are communicating with a component you don't need to care where it's actually residing right now you compute you communicate it with it as if it is in process but it might be it might be in process it might be in process the first time you communicate 10 minutes later it might actually might have moved and 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 you don't need to care about that really uh, since 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 uh, and it's very different from from traditionally in RPC RPC tries to do that by by emulating method did, did method dispatch you know so in process method dispatch so we trying to fake that there is a network and fake that there is distributed computing going on. While being truly message driven is actually the other way around. It's like fully embracing that we're building distributed systems mm. and, and embracing all the constraints of, of the distributed systems. You know that uh, meaning things like partial failure, that message ordering, message can get you know dropped and, and garbled on the way, etc. All these things become, you know, part of the programming model and first class, which means that we can deal with them. And this also ties back to why it's a better model for dealing with, with resilience, building a resilience system, because the, the constraints are there, the failure scenarios are there, and you need to tackle them head on instead of trying to hide them behind a leaky abstraction. As done in your EJBs, Corba, you know, XA transactions, RPC, all these are attempts to try to shield the developer from the network. And I think that's wrong.
0: People listening may only have experience dealing with a monolithic system like a big monolithic ruby on rails app or a big monolithic java ee application you're describing some things about a distributed architecture that people may not know how to handle so how do you set up message passing how do you set up these network bounds what is the diff between the message passing based microservices infrastructure and the monolithic infrastructure and the just the like big code base that people are used to working with that maybe they if they haven't had an experience setting up a microservices architecture with asynchronous message passing
1: yeah sure that's a that's a great question i mean so you can you can look at it in a little wider sort of lens than just microservices for example actor-based frameworks i mean we that we have uh, you know i I've, I've been part of implementing aka for example and 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 that learned a lot from erlang but that that's actor-based framework which is more of a more general di- distributed computing fabric uh, so, so 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 that's so one way of tackling it is to relying on a on a on a distributed systems or fabric or a programming model that understands reactive and is built you know according to the reactive principles like like the actor model for example but but microservices is, is also uh, I, I believe it's a subset of that and microservices can also help you so leading you into the right architecture if you allow it to i mean so you can easily uh, sort of jump on the reactives and uh, sort of on the microservices bandwagon and get it all wrong and, 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 what I, and, and one sort of trap that I've, that I've seen a lot of people fall into is that when they, when they, they have, a, let, let's say they have a monolithic or application that they want to you know, slice up into microservices. And then they, and, and what they do then is that, I mean, they just take the components in the monolithic app and, and instead of having a synchronous dispatch, they just turn all these uh, sort of method calls into REST calls. Still, still, you often then using synchronous HTTP you know, over REST usually, <clears throat> and sure, I mean you, you will get a distributed system, and all these things now live in different address spaces and on, on different nodes and and, and 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 so on. But the problem is that a lot of the problems of the monolith, I mean, are in, you bring along then? Uh, because uh, because having synchronous com- communi- communication. As, I mean, exclusively between microservices means that you will, you will have probably not as much, but almost as much strong coupling between the components as in the monolith. And that, that means that if, you know, if, if one service starts failing and, and others sort of depend on that you, through synchronous communication, they, they will be affected. And this is why a lot of people say, yeah, but I just, I, I just, you know, sprinkle circuit breakers all over, of, all over, of, all over. Of, all of, all over the place and now I'm, and I'm fine you know I can serve serve serve, serve uh capture and this isolate this this but I think that's the wrong way of thinking about it uh, I I believe that that you need to completely fundamentally change the way you think about Communication when you break things up into microservices, and certain things lend themselves a lot better to messaging. Not saying everything; certain things are naturally, inherently synch- synch- synchronous, and then they should be, be be implemented using synchronous HTTP, for example, or another mechanisms of of synchronousness. But 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 I believe that messaging. Is a great sort of way uh, to approach things as the default because it gives you all these things that you that you want. It gives you complete loose coupling. It gives you no dependency between them, you full 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 isolation, and 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 it, it really allows you to scale uh, uh, with uh, at ease.
0: So the difference between synchronous and asynchronous message passing would be that synchronous message passing. You make a request, or you send a message to something, and you block until you receive a response, asynchronous, you make a request, and then you continue on doing your work, and then at some point in the future, you get a call back from the requested service that you made a request to. Is that accurate?
1: Yeah, so, uh, yeah, so, sort of. I, I, I usually like to sp- split it up into, into two different things. First, you have, <clears throat> you have synchronous versus asynchronous IO, and that is about sort of not blocking threads. I mean, being sort of resource efficient, right? Uh, uh, uh but then you also have, uh, sort of more conceptually synchronous communication, and, and that is about not blocking requests from other from from other types from from other services and asynchronous communication allows the the sender and the receiver to not be there, be present at the same time mm-hmm. but, but, but being syn- being synchronous forces you to have the sender and receiver communicating I- at the same time right so so uh, uh, I usually talk about them it in that ideally you would like to get to decouple Communication into in two different axes. First in time, uh, uh, and that is essentially what we what we're talking about here. I mean that 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 you you you, you that you don't need the the, the serve uh, sorry, the res, the sender and the receiver to be present at the same time. Hmm. But you also but the other axis that you want to. To 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 uh, is sort of also uh, sort of embraces that you 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 want to to, de- de- to decouple the communication in, in time you know, so in space as well, and 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 that is what gives us distribution. So 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 I think, so both of these axes are equally important, I believe, and and, and uh, for for, for true decoupling.
0: Since we're talking about communication, we should touch on the event sourcing cqrs pattern we have had a number of shows about this recently the idea of this pattern is whenever you have an action in an application you can model that action as an event you put the event on some sort of pub sub system or a queue and any subscriber that wants to respond to that event can subscribe to the channel for that event type and it's a way of decoupling the publishing of the event to the processing of the event from all the downstream services or data sort databases that want to process that event why is CQRS useful in a microservices architecture and what's what's the relationship between the CQRS pattern and this asynchronous message passing that we're talking about
1: yeah that's a, that's a great question I think that that if you have built a system using primarily using using messaging then you already have certain messages uh flying around in the system and messages can be can be either uh, sort of representing sort of commands meaning that you want someone to do something commands are 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 side affecting in 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 nature you will you so you want to like enforce or like try to get someone else to do something right to cause an effect uh, it, they can also be events as you as you've described and events are facts they are they they uh, serve sort of are, are emitted when something has already happened uh, uh, something and I think commands can be they can be re- rejected but events can never be taken back you, you can never take back the something a fact that something has already happened but, 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 that said, I mean, when you, when you have a fully asynchronous system with messages and events flying around the system, that's then, then event sourcing or command sourcing. They are actually two different beasts together with CQRS is usually a, a, a very natural way of, of doing persistence. Uh, command sourcing, if I should just go into a little bit detail explaining uh, command sourcing means that you, that you store all the commands flowing around in the system. Or actually, commands to a specific component. to store that in an, in a, in, a, in a sort of transaction log, in an event log, or, a, or or a command log. That so that if the component fails, it can be you can replay this full uh, log, uh, uh, and 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 having you know sort of the all these side affecting operations being being performed on the component, bringing him up to 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 the state he was when he crashed another way of, of of doing it is not to do anything with the commands but only to store the events the sort of after the fact that something has changed in the in the in in the in, in the in the component and, and only re, re replay that not the side effects to bring him up to where to where he was and this is essentially what we're talking about with a command and, and event sourcing cqrs adds yet another layer Onto that in which you separate the right side rather writing to the event log from the read side You know the the ultimate way of representing uh, uh, Or actually or, 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 or Persisting an object in a in in a message driven system as I think is to use the event log but the event log is not ideal for for, for things like, like, like querying and reading and 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 as uh, an analyzing sort of this state and, and so that's where CQRS comes in because in CQRS, then you can have also sort of emit the events out to, to, to the read side and have the read side store that in an, in a, like an ultimate format for querying, often the SQL databases or something like Cassandra or something with more rich querying capabilities. Uh, and um, so then you can have the optimal sort of format for writing, the event log and optimal format for reading. Uh, whatever I MySQL mean, databases or something that you would like to
0: use. Are we buffering the 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 events and the commands on the same platform that we are sending messages between microservices? Uh, you can,
1: but often you use di- different machines, right? And, and this and this means that there there is usually latency between the write side and the read side. Uh, this is why it's extremely important to fully embrace eventual consistency, which I think is, is, is not inherent. I mean, uh, just thanks to this way of doing persistence, but the fact that we, we, that we are doing distributed systems. And, and, um, uh, and then you have to, to a large extent, exp- uh, sort of, sort of model your system in a way that eventual consistency is okay.
0: We've been focusing on the message passing component of the reactive microservices architecture. Our architecture is becoming increasingly mobile and transient and ever-changing. These nodes die, a service might scale up or down. What are the steps that we need to take to make sure that our services remain addressable as these services are scaling up and down or nodes are dying? I think you mentioned addressability earlier.
1: Yes, yeah, sir. That ties into what 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 we what I call, and a lot of people in the reactive systems community call location transparency, and and that's essentially by never communicating with the with the with a component directly, but you have a level of indirection in which, in which you you communicate with the with with a proxy or 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 or, or with a, with an address or and it can have many names. In ACA we call them actor ref. In Erlang, you call them, they, they call them PIDs, process IDs. But, but having this level of indirection means that at, you, you never have to worry that that component is up or not. Because if, uh, or actually, or even where it resides, right? Because it, it might be that you, that you start, that you, you, you communicate with the, with the object when it's in a failed state, when things are not going well, and the node might, might just have gone down and something like that. You as a client communicating with that shouldn't have to care. It should be a part of the runtime to restart that, relocate it to another machine if necessary, et cetera. And if you have this level of indirection and you're only communicating with this, with this proxy or, or whatever you want to call it, this handle, that means that you can buffer messages there for example and 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 while this while the the component is being down the actually the runtime instance of the of the component and once it's up uh, somewhere else or or where it used to be you 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 can you can you can sort of flush the buffer uh, it also means that if if this is if the component is indefinitely down you can just start, you can re- redirect these messages to what we call the dead letter queue and 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 have it have and have all these lost messages, so to speak, not being lost, but being able to be mined and be and be and be and, and be logged and 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 have someone note be notified that you have all these messages that didn't have anywhere to go, etc. So so these these uh, these references should always work, and and are always sort of available until I mean U.S. developer I means sort of, permanently shuts it down and notifies all the clients about it uh, or 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 the sysadmin admin does that through 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 some other mechanism
0: you give a great explanation of the abstract and the the reasons why this is an appealing feature to have this uh, this address this constant addressability this layer of indirection. Can you talk more about the tools that we use to actually implement this and how that infrastructure fits together, or how it's configured?
1: In, in Akka, as I said, we have, uh, which, which, uh, which implements the actor model, we have actor refs. And, 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 uh, and, 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 and these are like handles that can be sent around, put in messages. They are serializable etc. and and they are completely decoupled from where they actually where the location uh, from where the the actor is actually running. And Orleans is another actor framework from .NET. It has the same idea. They call them actor proxy. Uh, and, And they actually they go even one step further is in in that if you never communicate, I mean, if you instantiate an actor but never communicate it, then it's actually never even instantiated. They only instantiate these actor proxies, these handles first. And it's only when you start sending messages that the actual runtime instance becomes alive. So, so which is very interesting for resource efficiency, etc. <clears throat> when it comes to microservice design, you, you can do something similar. Uh, and, and it's often sort of backed up by, by some, by some, some sort of service discovery mechanism, like, like you look up an actor address, uh, in the service locator or service discovery mechanism. Either, either is built into the framework, like, like it's itself, like we do in, in, in LogOm, which is our microservices framework, or you use something like, like, uh, like HashiCorp's console or, or some people use Zookeeper or whatever to look it up. The problem there, if I mean, is that you, then you then you if you don't have you know this this uh, this um, handles like a physical representation of that means that you need to look look up the address per- periodically or or every time you call you you call out to make sure that you always have the right one because it's not maintained automatically for you.
0: Microservices themselves are are easy to reason about from a boxes and arrows. Uh, drawings, standpoints, just some loosely coupled services that are communicating with each other, where it actually gets difficult, and you write about this in your book, is that there's these things around them, like discovery and coordination, security, replication. Within a single service, it's really easy to reason about the consistency guarantees, but the same is not true for the overall system, especially when we have these features that I just mentioned, this discovery, coordination, and so on. How should we reason about the consistency guarantees of the overall system? Because this seems a lot more complex than the consistency guarantees of a single service.
1: Absolutely. I think, I mean, you're absolutely right. I mean, that that building one single microservice that a lot of sort of a lot of microservices frameworks they focus on they do, making it easy to scaffolding for, for, for a single service it actually doesn't buy us that much of course I mean it, it, there is it's important to get each individual microservice right but, but microservices they come in systems always and it's, and it's always in the space between in this void between the I mean, sort of components or, or you know, distributed components that all the bad things happen, but it's also where all the good things can happen. You know, where you can get scale and resilience and all these things. But the, but that's <clears throat> but it's in the space between that's all the hard things that are. So that that's where I think that that we need to put some more focus on that, and not not just talking about how easy it is to 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 to, to create single market services. And 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 the hardest thing, as you already mentioned there is What do you do with state? I mean, how do you make sure that <clears throat> that that your services are consistent, uh, have a, have a sort of stable view on things that they have they need to have agreement upon? Uh, I, I I think that. The first rule is to try to minimize communication between microservices as much as possible, ideally to min to bare minimum, uh, uh, because communication means 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 some sort of coordination of of state. You publish facts that others need to care, need to care about, etc. And and and, and 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 all kind of communication is is costly, but coordination of state is is is, what, is where, where it, is where it really slows slows down. Mm. You know, you know, people talk about. Uh, I mean, sort of locks, and in in, in, in in is is bad for for concurrent programming, right? Because locks make sure that you uh, sort of sort of forces you to wait that one thread needs to wait on the resource for uh, that 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 some other component is currently using. I mean, this it becomes even more important in distributed systems design. That I mean, waiting in a cluster is extremely costly. And 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 if if you introduce sort of mutable state or 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 dependency on state that you that multiple microservices they need to sort of agree upon, then you essentially introduce locking and 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 uh, and sort of transactions, so to speak, across the cluster, which is extremely costly. So 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 I always think 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 about it like or try to tell people that you should start with the data really when you when you when you when you design microservices when you split up into microservices and 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 try to 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 come up with it was sort of with a minimal data set that needs to be sort of strongly cons- consistent that needs to be fully transactional atomic so 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 to speak and and often that that sort of data set or data sets Depending on different use cases, of course, is actually a lot smaller than people think. People are used to think like everything should always be fully consistent because we're spoiled by SQL databases, mm-hmm. right? But if if, it, if you take a step step back and look, how do we solve? How how should this be solved in the real world? What are the real constraints? And 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 then and then try to minimize the the consistency boundary essentially that needs to be strongly consistent. And then you often using the denormalization, of course, and so splitting things up. And, and, and and there, and there you often have your, your microservice. And if, if you think about it like that, then, then, then you decouple the microservices from a data dependency standpoint as much as possible, which, which means that they don't need to coordinate state between themselves as much, which is, which is, which is very, very important.
0: Can you give an example to make this more tangible for the listeners? So you're talking about this idea where if you have services that are dependent upon each other and you're trying to make some sort of stateful thing happen, you get blocking and you get wasted CPU cycles. Can you give an example for how this might happen and a bad way to architect it and a good way to architect it?
1: yeah sure. I mean I don't know if I come up, come up with a, with a super good with a good practical example, but but whenever whenever you request you know something from someone and are dependent on him doing an update on that on on that thing and then returning it to you, uh, uh, I mean then you sort of then you're then you're forced into synchronous communication. And then you have to wait for that thing that you're that that, so that processing to be done uh, in a fully consistent fashion over there, and send that over to you to have to have to uh, and even that that makes it, it it makes it even more more it even makes it even harder you know when when, when that source of spans multiple ser- 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 services when you need to do an update in one of the of your microservice return that result and sort of atomically propagate that to yet another microservice all essentially I mean all in sort of one one transaction so to speak. Uh, uh, then all these three need to be doing this in lockstep. And and uh, and often can't do anything else in between, uh, or actually, or while this this sort of transaction is is happening, uh, uh, the the ideal way would be would be to to instead of instead trying to embrace sort of, uh, more a more eventual consistency way of of thinking with publishing facts. And having refer, re, re, sort of what I call compensating trans, trans, transactions, that you, you you sort of take a bet that something will happen, and and or 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 that that the data that 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 you got, or I mean, sort of the uh, so will hold, and 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 then you do then you per, per, perform your action with that expectation, and if you if you if and if you were wrong. Then you then 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 you perform a compensating sort of action, reversing your work, and try again p- perhaps for etc.
0: Well, you're talking here about graceful degradation. Maybe we could talk about cir- the circuit breaker pattern here. Circuit breaker is often used to gracefully degrade if you have one of these request chains where you need service a to request data from service b and service b to request data from service c and so on if there's a failure somewhere in that request chain you don't want to just have complete catastrophic failure you want to have some kind of graceful degradation could you talk more about how the circuit breaker pattern works and how to use it effectively to manage request chains
1: yeah, so the the this the the circuit breaker pattern is is been around for quite some time. I, I read it first, I think, in in, in Michael Nygaard's book uh, on uh, on yeah, release it yeah, stability patterns and stuff like that. Exactly, and and it's 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 essentially a, a, a state machine where you where you can have. I mean, if if everything goes well, the default is that is in that is in in a closed state, meaning that is sort of. That is sort of, a, it passes through everything, uh, all the, all the requests. I mean, as you would expect, right? But if, if something goes wrong, then it goes, then it sort of trips and it goes to its open state. That means that it doesn't allow any request to go, to go, to go through. And there, there's usually a sort of some sort of timeout that says, like, within 10 seconds, it might be okay to retry. And then it, then, and then it passes, it lets one transaction through. Or one request through. And if it, if it fails again, then it goes immediately back to open. But, but then usually some sort of, some sort of exponential back off policy. This so then it waits perhaps 20 seconds and then one minute or whatever it is, right? But, and, and, uh, and if it succeeds, then it usually goes sort of, uh, uh, uh goes back to closed, right? And, uh, and, uh, so, so, so you have this sort of well defined, uh, sort of state machine with well-defined stages and and where you where you where you try to 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 go to um, to sort of essentially test if the service that you, that failed is, is up again and if it's not then you then you then you sort of go back to 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 usually to some sort of, of fallback policy the fallback policy can of course be to just drop messages on the floor it can be to, to 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 send them off to some other component that that hopefully is up or it can be to also propagate them back to the one who sent the message, and 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 saying, I mean, the, the service is up. You need to do something about that. I don't know how. And uh, and it can also be, you know, falling back to a, a, a less uh, less nice, but some but but sort of lower quality of service essentially. That that's often how Netflix is doing it. <clears throat> uh, in 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 that, I mean, if 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 part of the catalog is not, is currently not available then it it then it it shows you what it what it what it can and 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 try to like limp along as long as possible until full functionality is restored
0: let's zoom in on another particular facet of a microservice architecture which is service discovery this allows microservices to locate and communicate with each other what are some of the tools that developers can use for handling service discovery and how do you recommend companies handle service discovery
1: as I said I mean most of these things most of these uh, things we have talked about like surface breakers and service discovery are already are sort of solved problems they're all already a whole bunch of good tools perhaps too many tools in, in certain areas that solves these things for you so it's nothing that you as a developer need to start doing yourself I believe <laughs> um, Service discovery can be done in in different ways and and implemented using using different sort of guarantees. There are certain service discovery tools that, for example, like like like, like Zookeeper, which is not really a service dis- discovery tool, but a lot of people use it like that, or or that are sort of are implemented in a, in a in a sort of in in a strongly consistent fashion. They. And that means that according to the CAP theorem, they failure, they f- sort of favor, uh, consistency over avail- availability. Uh, and, 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 uh, personally, I, I, even even though that's almost the common way of doing it, I think I, I don't think that's the optimal way of, of, of implementing service discovery. You know, so, you know, so the, the, the problem of service discovery is that, yeah, you have nodes coming up and down, and, and 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 sort of spawning up a node and taking the node down, and also like migrating nodes, etc. All that has quite long latency. So 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 if 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 it has latency and, and quite a lot of delay to 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 do or to perform all these actions with nodes, I mean, I, I there's less reason to having so the, the adverse so the naming is the dictionary so to speak to look things up strongly co co consistent because it might still be that, that 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 uh whatever i mean this address is pointing to to is not is not yet up or it actually just went down or it's just being migrated or whatever so so since there's already sort of uh, a built-in eventual consistency into the into the model of service discovery i think it's better to rely on 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 sort of an on of an, on the ap side the availability side of the cap theorem instead and there are there are certain sort of uh, uh, tools that fa- that favor that uh, uh, for example the one we have in logom uh, favors that is using com- uh, CRDTs I mean com- commu, commu- uh, community well, conflict free uh, re- conflict free replicated data types to propagate out to you know, this this the changes in 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 these addresses and uh, sort of in a fully eventually consistent fashion in a way that will eventually con- converge with with some delay. Uh, other tools that, that favor availability are is Netflix Eureka, for example, and etc. And um, so, yeah, so so there's so two, two different flavors of it. And I, I, I usually tend to personally lean towards the availability side, sacrificing consistency when it comes to this.
0: And I think from my shows with, netflix and uber those two companies definitely agree with you on the availability over consistency model um so you work at lightbend and lightbend is very interested in microservices right now because you are building this lagom framework or you you have built it already what is the lagom framework what are you doing at lightbend
1: yeah, so that's two two different questions. I mean, I can I can I can start by 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 trying to explain what we do at large, and then zoom in on the login framework. So, so at large, we 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 have a platform, called ACA for building reactive reactive systems, and we've had it since since actually even before we started Lightbend. I mean, I had a company that that had a consultancy around the ACA, ACA the Aka platform started already eight years ago. Actually, Lightbend is about six six years old now. And and uh, at the absolute bottom, even below Arca, is it's a Scala programming language that we that we that we've had, or that we we are the, main, the the main contributor and the main main maintainer of. So Arca is implemented in Scala, but it's not uh, it's not exclusive to Scala. We we've always had had equal Java APIs alongside the Scala APIs, even though we, we implement uh, our, our platform in Scala. And then we also have the Play framework, which is which is sort of like a high, high, high productivity framework for building web apps, uh, server-side templating, like the sort of Ruby on Rails sort of, sort, sort, of, uh, sort of development console with like really fast turnaround times, etc. cetera. So, so that is sort of the basics. Then, then we have uh, the last year or so, we've been, we've been focusing on, on two different things that we built on top of this platform. And that, and one of them is mac is microservices. And the other one is fast data, of so slash streaming, uh, distributed streaming type of applications. And, uh, and, uh, <clears throat> um, when it comes to streaming, we, we, uh, we have a sort of a, a we have had a sort of a product or, or the sort of, or an offering based around Spark, but we're now working on a product called the Fast Data Platform that, that, that goes way beyond Spark, uh, more into the real time distributed streaming, uh, world. Um, uh, uh, it's, 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 we have an alpha coming out next week, actually, or in around this, but, uh, but more specifically you asked about the microservices and logom. So, so. What we have done there is essentially sort of you know taking a step back, people have built microservices type of architectures using ACA and play for, for quite a few years. Actually, even before we start I, I heard the then the term microservice, because, because microservices lends themselves very well to, to the way you think about when you're building actor-based systems. I mean they map very well, almost one-to-one, with the same you know, type of, 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 of semantics and and and, and ideas. <clears throat> but that said, <clears throat> actors are a fairly low level distributed computing fabric and, and, and programming model that can be sometimes give the user too much power. It's too much you, you can do. It's, it's too powerful essentially. Uh, it means that there's too many ways you can shoot, you can shoot your, your, yourself in the foot. For power users, that's all this power is great. For, but for a lot of people, it slows them down. There's a lot of things to learn. And, and there's uh, uh, there's too many ways you can, you, you can do something. So to fix that, we essentially took all the best practices of building microservices using, using actors and, and play, uh, and, and sort of wrap that up in a framework that's extremely opinionated and, and, and have sort of various, very, like, very clear, like, beaten path how you should do things. And that's the logon framework. And, 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 uh, where Logom is opinionated is essentially in, in sort of three different ways. I mean, first, sort of commu, commu, it's asynchronous by default, meaning asynchronous IO all the way, as well as, as, as asynchronous communication as the default. This, of course, supports REST, uh, synchronous HTTP for the, for the use cases where you need to be synchronous. But everything, if you, if you, if, if you just go with the default, uh, messaging is the way we sort of, uh, re- recommend the other way is that is it's actually using event sourcing and CQRS as the default persistence mechanism. This is also quite different from a lot of a lot of microservices frameworks out there that are more CRUD based. Um, some of them even use like JPA and these type of things still. Even even though it's more it's more it's more it's more legacy. So it, got, it goes all all in on 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 an event based persistence model. And the third thing is that is sort of It 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 has learned from from all the goodies that we that we learned from play when it comes to to the effectiveness of, of, or the importance of, of a, of a, of a high productive development environment. So, so it has sort of this almost Ruby on Rails type of feel, you know, where you can, or JRebel type of feel, but across microservices. So, so, so you can, you can spin up all your microservices right in, in your development environment. And if you, if, if you do one code change in your IDE, the, so this development console will understand that you'll know, re, reboot. It will recompile, of course. It will redeploy and reboot your microservice alongside all the d- dependencies that that re- server, uh, that it depends on, just automatically, right? So you can just work in your IDE, and 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 uh, and all all these things are sort of are redeployed and restarted under the hood for you.
0: The the Lagom framework seems like it's built for well, at least one use case is to get people who are. In a Java EE monolith uh, architecture, a, to give them an, a route to migrating towards microservices, um, could you, uh, as we wrap up, can you talk a little bit about how, what what is that migration path? Because I imagine that is very difficult if you've got this huge Java monolith and and then you're presented with a with this um, comprehensive framework that uh, allows you to move to microservices. What is that? migration path
1: you're right you you're, you're right I mean the ideal scenario is of course if you have greenfield development I mean you can you can just go all in and do everything from from start but a lot of a lot of companies don't have that that luxury and they <coughs> they want to modernize their existing uh, applications often monoliths and, and often you know JE based uh, uh, meaning servlet based uh, and 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 often JPA and, and and stuff like that. So the first, I mean, I think that the best way to do it is to use sort of the what I call the Strangler pattern that you sort of you try to like vertically slice up use cases into microservices. And, 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 sort of around your monolith, right? One by one by one, like in the service of strangle of the monolith until there's, there's no monolith left. And there is it's only micro, microservices. <coughs> and, and for each individual microservice, I mean, so one of the benefits of it, of, of microservices, you know, is that you can, you can fully embrace polyglot persistence and, 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 and that each microservice can represent this data in any way it wants. This means that you, you can actually choose to not go all in with event sourcing and CQRS as the first step, but you, but you, you, you continue to use JPA or JDBC, uh, for, for certain microservices until you feel that you are ready to, 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 to go all in on something like event sourcing, if it fits, right? For certain applications, I mean, for certain microservices, I mean, crowd-based might be the way to just go. But for others, you can you can uh, you can do it gradually, you know. And 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 Long-Long has JPA and JDBC support as well, right? So, so you you can start by not being completely opinionated. Uh, and 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 take uh, you know sort of tackle the complexities one by one. The first one might be to 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 uh, the, the first one might actually be to just do everything with the rest and see okay, where where are the uh, uh, sort of what are the problems with this? I mean where I mean where where does it impact scalability? Where where does it mainly impact resilience, etc.? And in these places only. Move to a messaging based, made based solution between microservices. And, and, and the same thing, I mean, with, with, with persistence. I mean, continue using JPC and JPA as a start and then slowly moving towards more event based event logging type of persistence if you feel like you need to. Uh, uh, so yeah, I think you can be pragmatic and, and not being only religious about it, even though a tries to be opinionated all the way through.
0: Well, I don't want to take any more of your time. Jonas, thanks for coming on the show. Uh, I'm going to have your colleague, Marcus Eisel, on soon to talk about developing reactive microservices. I feel like today we talked about a lot of the concepts that make reactive microservices appealing. And I'm looking forward to my conversation with Marcus about how to bring these into reality. Um, I think there there was also a show—yeah, yeah. yeah. And there was also a show a while ago I did with— another Lightbend employee his name is escaping me right now but it was about reactive streams and it's always a pleasure to talk to you folks from from Lightbend. Yes Conrad Conrad Malowski but yeah you you all have a very rigorous and technical approach to developing products so it's always a pleasure.
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's 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 interesting that you say that because I mean, logom I and a lot of the things we we have talked about here is 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 uh, is actually implemented is implemented uh, using using akka streams and reactive streams as I'm as I'm sure he talked he talked about in that in that session as well. So I mean, you, you, you give uh, give Marcus my regards then and have fun chatting with him. Absolutely.
0: Okay. Well, thanks, Jonas. I'll talk to you soon.